listen in. Thanks for doing just that. Music. Music has some sort of magical, maybe mystical thing happening. Mystical. mystical. That couldn't be more sucked in. I love it. I love it. You see, I want to live life better, unless I'm in some sort of funk and all I want to do is wallow. Songs, artists, musicians, lyrics, they help me in all sides of life. They're like lifts in my shoes. I walk a little taller, my shoulders are on my back. Yeah. Bring on life. Bring it completely on. Bring on life. So I'm full of questions and I listen in. Luckily, or hopefully, I travel with a recorder and open SM58 microphones. You've got questions? You've got questions? I've got more. I'm Frank Jenks. I began listening in with a syndicated radio program, interspersing conversation pieces with songs and subject matter. And now, I just want to offer this fullness, the greatness, the insight directly from rock stars to you this way. I feel like saying, you know, I love my last conversation with Dave Barnes so much, I just had to reconnect. So while that is true, I think I was more excited to dive into his record, Golden Days. I thought it was more about love in the micro sense, but that's my small mind thinking, or or maybe not thinking. Turns out it's right in the heart of where life is at for me right now. And probably a lot of people. So I would suggest that makes it more macro. We recorded this in our separate home studios while connecting via video Skype late in the afternoon on February 19th, 2014. Do you still have hope that good music will get through to the the masses? I don't even know if that's the right word, but just we'll get through. Oh, man. I mean, if you want to talk about Macklemore and all that stuff, because, I, you know, again, I thought Macklemore was fantastic, and now you're into Lake Street... Dr- it's Lake Street Dive, right? The, and you're in the Lake Street Dive. Yeah. And and who knows where they're going to be in six months or six years or whatever. And but you just hope, you know, because I, you love something so much. I know. I, I have a couple. I have a couple of thoughts. I think one is this: you only get one chance to be new in music. And yeah. I think if you really follow big splashes, it's always at the first entry. I find that yeah. it's so rare you have something that makes real significant ripples, and 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 I'll just categorize that in the last five to ten years because I don't I don't want to speak outside of something I really don't know a lot about, but I do think in the last five to ten years you really only see stuff make a dent. Adele is a pretty significant um, as I'm thinking about this as I say it, but otherwise I think most of it is what happens with Macklemore, where you kind of enter the scene. Right. And it just goes crazy, and then from there, it's about sustaining at whatever level that lands, you know. And so for me, I think you know everything. Of course, um, I think is autobiographical because that's all I know. But I think it's tough because it's you know I do wonder. I'm like if 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 music today can get out like it used to um, without some kind of hub to generate. Um, interest in it and I don't know man there's just so much there's so much music I, I do think I'm learning how much uh, fans and friends matter I think they are especially mm. important these days not that they haven't been but when there's so much music that doesn't get on the radio 
you're you're the way that you're heard these days is by people telling other people that's really it you know because if you don't know that i'm out there making music the only way you're going to run into it because you know like maybe i'll have a song in a show maybe and maybe i'll have a song that does a little bit of something on radio otherwise it's somebody going hey man this is guy really like check it out you know so yeah it's a tricky time for sure well, but if you if you get a song on, on a show, let's say, and I know you get paid X amount for that, and and I'm glad for that, but will it actually turn into sales through iTunes or maybe even albums and blah blah blah? Do you, can you actually feel it? Because I'm thinking of like Matthew Mayfield, right? And and I just he's been on like I don't know Grey's Anatomy X amount of times, and it still feels like he's a struggling artist out there. So I don't know if he's not spending his money wisely or if they really it really doesn't turn into being able to make a living just to get on a quote unquote show. Yeah, it doesn't because because what happens is you'll you'll get a quick hit of like, you know, a, a few grand or whatever they pay you to be on the show, which is yeah. which is nice. And then sure. you know, if it gets into if that show is played again or whatever, and so you know, you may see a little bit of money enough to pay your mortgage for like a month. And then, you know, and you'll see for that week, especially that night and the day that follows, you may see a spike of double what you've sold to triple, meaning maybe you have, you know, and this is probably pretty generous, 500 downloads of that song, 1,000 downloads over the next few days. But, you know, you're also, so you really made another 600 bucks. So all in on that, let's just say for a fun round number, all in on that song, you may have made seven grand. Right. Right. So that's nice. That's awesome. I mean, that's a significant but it can you like you can't make a living <laughs> making seven thousand bucks right. but isn't it crazy too to think that i'll say five million people uh saw that that show 500 downloads yeah <laughs> that's all that was quote unquote moved enough and again it moves your needle a little bit at least for a month or two right, right? right. financially right but and i'm thinking only 500 does it is it because music is so background now i mean well it's just not you know it's funny it's this is a very appropriate time to have this conversation because i literally tweeted about an hour ago i retweeted a tweet that Derek webbs sent that he had said that uh and i'm gonna get these numbers wrong let me see if i can find them real quick but basically he's posted what he made on spotify off of this one song and the, okay. the, the it had been streamed somewhere like let me see. Um, okay, so I'll say this. Audrey Asad, who's an artist, tweeted after I tweeted about Derek, quote unquote, yep, I made $1,300 from 390,000 streams this past six months. Not even a whole paycheck. And I'm the rights holder. Which may be mm-hmm. even more potent than Derek's tweet because Derek made eight bucks from 43,000 streams. Or nine bucks, eight fifty-five to be exact, for forty-three thousand one hundred sixty-five streams. So that's point zero 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 one nine per stream. And what I found, and this encouraged me to to almost tears, is I had so many of the people who follow me on Twitter tweet me and say, "Buying your record now." So sorry, buying your record now. Is this really the truth? Buying your record now. Buying your record now. Mm. And so for wow. me, I, I'm like, okay. One of two things is the truth, and maybe I have the most amazing fans in the world, which obviously I'm going to say I do. So it's either that 
and that people are going, wow, gosh, I didn't realize that. Or that maybe there's a combination of people going, you know, I like music, but because it's so available to me, I don't appreciate it like I used to. And I can mm-hmm. tell you in my life, I already struggle with that already because yeah. um, I'm a paying member of Rhapsody, but the way that I use Rhapsody is I actually stream most records I already own and don't want to keep on my iPhone. Now that's right. So to me, I'm kind of tricking the system because I'm like, Hey, you know, uh, Ben Rector is a friend of mine. I have your record. I don't have it on my phone, so I'm actually just going to get on Rhapsody and listen to it, and you're actually getting paid again, and it's point point zero two cents. But, right. you know, like, so I'll do that, and then I'll preview things, and if I, I have a level of my own conscience that I go, okay, if I know I've streamed this more than once or twice, I'm buying it, done. Mm. But if I'd mm-hmm. stream something and I'm like, you know, that was really cool, I don't love it, then, then I've paid... I'm still paying 15 bucks a month or whatever for Rhapsody. So it's not, you know, they're still making money from it. But for me, that's how I use it. So I'm not somebody that's like, hey, don't use these things. I'm like, yeah. hey, there's ways to do this that are beneficial. But you st- people still got to make money for, I mean, like, you know, artists, like, we're all, I think the thing that breaks my heart the most is I don't know that people don't understand that if this is a restaurant, if my music and my friend's music are restaurants, and you like our restaurant, but you don't eat at our restaurant, the restaurant will shut down. That is commerce, mm-hmm. it's it's capitalism, and I participate in it freely and gladly, but that's how it goes. And and I'm a I'm a fan of survival of the fittest. And so i I feel like for me, look, if I'm not good enough to do this, then I shouldn't do it. I mean, I you know, and I'll grieve that and it'll make me sad. And thankfully I can do it right now. But I think the point that I was encouraged by with this Twitter session this afternoon was, man, maybe people just don't know. And that encourages mm-hmm. me because I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm kind of under the guise because I'm in the middle of it. I'm in the epicenter of this in Nashville, or at least one of the five in the world epicenters of the music industry. I'm like, oh, people know and they just don't care. And that really breaks hard. But to see today, even from the 20 or 30 responses I had on Twitter, I was like, man, maybe there's hope in that people just don't know the facts. And once they do, they want to support those of us who who are doing it, you know. But it's it's a yeah. it's such a grim, <laughs> it's such a grim proposition. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking the I'm thinking about the restaurant, my favorite restaurants, whatever, right? But just for that day, there's a new restaurant opening, and they're saying we've got free food down here for the day, just so you can sample us, right? Yeah. And then they little get a little bit on their feet, and then there's another restaurant down the road from them that does the exact same thing. So basically, I can eat free an awful lot, mm-hmm. and I don't need to go back to my favorite restaurant because I've been I've been coerced, if you will. Maybe that's not the word, but uh-huh. it is a word uh-huh. to go step another two blocks down the road and it's like and when you're online i don't have to move a lot around right, you right. know I, there's so much stuff and and there are times when i will go to youtube and i'll listen to a record and go yeah not, not that good yeah you know oh yeah and i didn't waste my money and because right. for what it's worth you know i've been i've been around music my whole life and i've dealt with record labels directly and i think sometimes crap was put out and it sold millions yeah <laughs> And great stuff was put out, and it sold nothing. Yeah. And so after a while, I just get so jaded about it. And oh, it's yeah. It's so sad. Oh, yeah. And, and, and it's sad for me because I almost am to the point where I'm like, I don't even know if I want to get new music anymore. And that, to me, is sad because every day for the last 25 years for me, I've looked forward to opening now an inbox to find the next Nirvana. Right, right. I really have. And now it's like I've opened up so many emails or packages that have been disappointed. And finally I go, you know what? 
I'm good going back and listening to, you know, Stone Temple Pilots yeah. if that's yeah. what I want to listen to. Because cause it's cause it's a safe bet. That's right. And you, you know, know, you know that 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 that's the other thing that's such a rub in in the world of music to me today is is the is the other line that we all walk of encouraging creativity. I mean, you know, I have a son, I'm about to have another kid. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, I want them to make. I want them to be creative. I want them right. to to fully explore that thing. However, there's a time when you kind of realize that it's a hobby and it's not commerce, or vice versa. And I think one of the things that MySpace and the advent of the internet created, and especially the ability to put music up, is is the 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 sort of quality blocker. The thing that that little thing that like. You know, ten years ago, twelve years ago, fifteen years ago, existed of like if you weren't this good, you, you you got to play some songs for your friends in your basement, and that was awesome. And then when you were the guy that people went, dude, you are awesome. Will right. you record that and let me get that? That then it was something. But now nobody's standing around going, you got to record that because that's awesome. People just make their songs put up. So there's so much creation of music being being made that there's no there's no uh, 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 place for commerce it's all commerce it's like oh if yeah. you have a if you have a computer and you bought the pro tools software you just put another record on iTunes and so what happens is those of us who are doing it to make a living and and you know have cut our teeth learning how to do this as a profession we're five moves to the right on iTunes because the guy who, you know, and, and that's fine. I, I'm not saying he shouldn't do it because I was right. that guy at one time. Right. But it's just hard because there's no there's no hierarchy that 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 people can look into and trust and go, okay, these are the guys that are. I need to listen to this seriously. These are the new guys that are learning how to do it. That's awesome. But everybody's on the on the same playing field. It's like having. I'm a huge soccer fan. It's like literally playing trying to play a soccer game. Instead of eleven on eleven with fifty versus sixty-five, right? And you're like, I'm sure there's some good people out here, but they only get to touch the ball enough that I don't know how good that guy is, right? But, you know, and so right. it's just it's chaos, you know. Well, I don't know, I don't know if I'll say I don't think it's Pandora to blame and all that stuff, but right. Let right. me just say that if if we all have to trust a, a, a filter or somebody funnel, because that's what I always wanted to do. I always wanted to be able to say this music meant something to me. And that's why you should listen to it, right? But when I read, and I'm so throwing Pitchfork under the bus, but and I, I don't pay enough attention to Pitchfork to do that. But I do know a lot of people look to them and go, Pitchfork said it was cool, so it must be cool. The problem is, is that I think they have a tough time saying something isn't cool. Right. And so all of a sudden that funnel, like you said, is 55 people on the soccer field playing. Uh-huh. And in my mind, just in my ears and my taste can't handle that much so finally i just go eh screw it i'm not paying attention mm-hmm. to pitchfork anymore and i have to trust whether it's somebody's blog or it's frank jenks or it's dave barnes or whatever you know to to say you know what right now i'm digging on lake street dive yeah that's it yeah that's it and that's all i need to know because you're not giving me 75 bands right now even though you might like 75 bands right now you're just going right now in my ears it's lake street dive yeah and that's you know? and that's wisdom, and I think and, and you know I, I really don't want to sound like Debbie Downer because I I, I really I'm such a supporter of the fact that everybody right. can be creative. I, right. I would not be doing this if I wasn't terrible at one point and still struggle with being terrible. Right. So that right. that's not the point as much as I just wish 
for those of us who are 15 years into a career, there was some ability for there to be like quality control or like, you know, like uh, uh, people could know that's what you do and that's only what you do so that it could be viewed in a certain light or something. I don't know. I don't even know what that means. I'm going to be misquoted and it's going to be like, somebody's going to be like, Dave sort of, Dave wants uh, the music industry to be like Hunger Games and each guitarist fights to their death. You know, that well, they if they're listening to this, I'm not going to edit any anything out, so yeah. we're good. But the other thing that's funky, I think, too, is part of that proven commodity thing I was just com- kind of complaining about myself with is the bands that are that are touring where you're making real money, mm-hmm. it's still Motley Crue, yeah, and they haven't had a current song that's been a huge hit for 25 years, probably yeah. or 20 years or whatever, you know, and it's very few Lady Gaga's or even Carrie Underwood's you know, that are out there really filling out the big arenas mm-hmm. where, say, you can open for them and, and and help grow you and help grow your music. And it's just, I don't know, it's just weird right now where I want to say, again, 20 years ago, those places were being filled with, relatively speaking, artists that were 10 to 15 years into their mm-hmm. career. Well, now mostly too many of these artists are into their careers 30 and 35 years and just feels like Feels for me because I'm such a new music guy. Feels like they're taking up space for my new music. Yeah, group. and and it's it's like the music industry in some ways for new artists has, and and I think even artists like me, it's like speed dating. You know, I only have seven <laughs> seconds to impress you with what I do or to try to evoke some uh, uh, response. And if it doesn't happen, you're on to the next thing. And so I think what's so hard is people don't get to live with artists to make memories. I mean, why is Motley Crue still touring 20 years later? Is because when Motley Crue was there, sure, they had a lot of bands compete with, but you got to sit and live with that music. And so it becomes nostalgic because you listen to it long enough for it to become nostalgic. The problem with music right. nowadays is nobody has music that's nostalgic because you don't ever listen to it long enough. You don't listen to a whole record long enough. You don't listen to an artist long enough. You're already on to the next song, so you can't create memories with a song because you're already off to the next one. And so you think of the trajectory where music is going, it's like, what is this going to look like in 10 years, 20 years? You know, like, I I think about this all the time, and this is a really weird thing to way to put this, but I've thought about this way. You know, you think of the the, uh, George Harrison benefit you yeah. know, these people have, or let's just do the Beatles like we did. People are getting up saluting, and it's a lot of their contemporaries or people who are right after them, whatever. You know, to me, John Mayer is one of the sort of the dinosaurs of what I do in the singer songwriter world, in that he's a he's a real talent that I think will be here for a while. Now, what will his sales numbers be and tours be? Who knows? But I don't think anybody would argue his skill set and what his ability is. So, I, John to me is kind of the last that. Who's going to play at that benefit for John when they honor him into the Hall of Fame? Because you know what, it ain't going to be. Uh, you know, some guy that had two singles and lost his deal. Right. But that's all our industry, that's all we consist of. Right. Who are the career artists that are going to celebrate his career? It's Unless it's Bruce Springsteen in, a, in like a wheelchair. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there's not, we don't sustain a career artist anymore in our industry. I mean, I think country does, which I love, but that's kind of it. There's no infrastructure in the rest of music to do that. And so it breaks my heart because what what used to be about the community of musicians prospering together, creating together, touring together, it's winnowed down to like each genre has their Mount Rushmore's, the four to ten that represent it, and that is it. 
right. and the rest of us pop our head above the water for a minute to get noticed, then we disappear again. And so it's just kind of like I, it makes me sad because I'm like, man, what is that going to look like in the future? You know, like what what would that what does the John Mayer sort of like benefit show? Who's up there playing? Like maybe Rob Thomas, maybe Jason Mraz. But I mean, man, I don't know who else. You know, yeah. I don't know, and I'm sure there are some, but it's like. It ain't the days of when you're like telling people, man, we're already booked. We got 20 people, 30 people performing tonight because they all were involved in this career and they all did this together. I mean, it's like, yeah. you know, if they may have to call me from the car mechanic gig I have. if they, have, You know what I mean? Like, who knows what I'm going to be doing? Sure. Who knows what John's sure. going to be doing? So it's like, you yeah. know, that stuff. Well, your, your, your car mechanic big gig is going to be sitting inside of a room with a computer anyway to fix no whatever, whatever yeah. vehicles we're, we're driving. Yeah. But I, I was thinking when, when you said that, you know, maybe country music is doing it and they're the ones doing it. Is that why this new record sounds closer to that genre of music than than maybe your... I think it's more osmotic than it is anything. You know, like living in Nashville, and I've been doing so much writing for and with other Nashville artists and country artists. Um, I think a lot of it is just... I love What I do love about that genre is they, they really understand how to capture a concept in its sort of simplest form. Yeah. And uh, and I just kind of realized for this record, I was like, man, I'd love to do that. I'd love to sort of scrape away some of the stuff that can be excess in the way that I write and uh, see what it looks like when it's sort of at its um, most distilled. And so, and I think a lot of that is from a lot of these co-writes where you just mm. where I see these guys and girls do that and I'm like, that it's, it's the Tom Petty school of writing it's like let's get rid of anything that doesn't make sure the economy of words matters let's say what we need to say in this amount of time and let's in in the in 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 the most accessible memorable way and we're done you know and 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 does it have to be i don't want to get too you know inside the mechanics of writing a song but does it have to be like a great story too does each song have to be a story per se? I think not the way that I write. I think you know guys like Josh Ritter might say okay. it would because they do that so well. I don't do that very well, so I think mine is is has to make sure it goes through like if it's just interesting to me, and then some turn into stories and that and, and maybe what you're asking. I think there does have to be some stuff that you relate to and or that makes sense with the story you've lived, so that you can speak to some of it, you know, or you've seen people go through it, but. Um, yeah. Well, I guess I think that your songs, well, let's just talk about the first track, 23. A lot about what we've already, already been talking about, the hopes and dreams of when you're at that age and thinking about being in the music business and stuff. I think that you sort of jump into the story, and that's your thoughts from that period of time, whether that period of time is for you know, two days or two years or ten years or something, without it being, quote-unquote, well, I was born on a dirt road, right, right, and I right. died on a, right. you know, a dirt road, that sort of a thing. But... But yeah, that's what I was thinking about when it came to story. But that particular song is so is so cool because it's a well, I guess I'm gonna quote words, right? It's about mm-hmm. being young and wild and free and those thoughts and what you hoped your life would be, right? Because hope is that Yeah, for sure. Awesome. I, I love I love that song. I I'm I'm it's probably one of my like favorite songs I've written ever. Cause I think this this album has two of those. It has that and that song good. And I think every now and then, because I'm not great at it, I can truly capture the exact emotion I'm trying to capture by by writing something. Yeah. And for me, 23 and Good both do that. And I think both of them are nostalgic, which helps, because I think nostalgia for me is probably the strongest of sentiments. 
um, or strong. Yeah, it's one of I should say. And so, I think writing it, I was kind of like, man, how can I sort of remember all these things that we are going through to to sort of give some perspective to it? Um, and I think I did okay. I, you know, I'm sure there's some things that I could have done better, but I really felt like, hey, I, I think I did it. <laughs> I wonder, and I wonder if 23 is the song that we look back on and go, yeah, that's how I was. But when I was 23, I'm thinking about all the stuff I was thinking of, like, oh man, is my career going to take off? And am I, am I, is, the, is the girlfriend that is now my wife really going to be my wife? And am I going to have kids? You know what I mean? I was going through some thoughts of, of heaviness too. Mm. And I go, when I was 23, was I really thinking that? But when I think back, oh man, when I was 23... I was wild and young and free. You know? Oh yeah. So and I love that. That's why I love that line about um, uh, shows the exit in. You know, playing like we're going to play again, spotting big shots in the crowd, hoping they'd yeah. find us out. Because I definitely remember that. I mean, I remember you know all of us kind of being like, guys, is that dude here that said he may be at the show? Did he fly in right. from New York? And getting so geeked on stage when you saw that you know somebody was out there that was like, oh, that's a somebody, you know? Right. So right. And then writing about, uh, I'll say, I, I jotted down, perseverating on a girl mm. for loving Los Angeles. Do, do you like writing those sort of, I'll say, quickie-er love songs? Quickie-er love songs. Yeah, that's a good I like that's that. A genre. I like that. Quickier. Yeah, nice. I do. I, you know, I think, um, I, I, so, I told somebody this the other day. I had to decide with this record. I sort of took this angle I feel like Sting said this, and I read this earlier in my career. I was like, you know, I kind of that resonates with me. Where he was like, or maybe I decided the opposite of it actually. But 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 I just decided that I was like, if I can for my career, I'm going to try to be as autobiographical as I can be without being irrelevant to people. You know, so mm-hmm. trying to write about the things that people resonate with too that are actually true to my life. And in stories to tell, I got away from that summit, and this one I got away from that from. There's a seed of uh, sort of where it germinated from with Love in Los Angeles that's true, but the rest of it took a pretty significant, you know, left-hand turn because I had to write a song about it. Um, but I really loved that and I am I'm 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 I'm, I'm always fascinated by the what might have been stories and movies and things. Um, yeah. Uh, because I think you know, I found this out this is a bit of deep Dave psychology for you and then I'll pull out of that. But because I moved a couple times in my life, I think I can really I have really strong emotional ties to the feeling of like what was left behind. And thankfully none of it is sad. I want to be clear. None of it is like lethargic, deep seated, (laughs) but I I, I have a lot of dreams about places I grew up because I think there's a part of me that feels like those things never got finished, Mm. you know, because moving from both places, it felt kind of like I'm here and then I'm gone. So, um, I like those songs too, because it's a, that's an, that's a sentiment. I, that registered with me. So that that's why I think a lot of that was like, man, what if you wrote about the girl that kind of got away, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, and then, uh, do you want to get a little more specific about Good and how, how family is such a beautiful thing? You know, with Good, um, again, it, it was good. The story about Good is kind of funny because uh, it was a lot like God Gave Me You. I was, I, it wasn't going to make the record I was doing. I always do these like intense when I'm about to do a record. I go back through all of the songs I've written since the last record, even if they were song ideas, lyric ideas, because I thankfully store that stuff in a pretty ordered system. And I'd forgotten about good. I'd started good, and actually, believe it or not, um, was gonna try to finish that with this country artist. And I was like, man, I think this would be great. I had the verse and the chorus with some tweaks. 
I played it for a friend of mine who's a really great country um, writer here in town, and he's a songwriter. And he was like, you have to finish that song. And I was like, oh, you like it? He's like, I mean, I got goosebumps, dude. You have to finish that. That's a beautiful idea. And so like a week before we recorded, I went in and, and tweaked it to where I could sing it and it'd be a, a little more, you know, resonate with, with my life. But in the minute I finished that song, I was like, I'm so glad that I decided to finish this because mm-hmm. um, I don't know if it was, I kind of, it was, it was such a, I knew I was going to be wrestling a grizzly because it's such a big deal. You know, it's such a big emotion to sort of try to capture. Mm-hmm. But, you know, over a couple of days I just sat down and I had most of the first verse and chorus done. So it was really then tying it up and knowing where to go from there. But um, I really took the risk of making it a lot more personal. And, I, and I'm glad that so far it seems like people, it's resonating with people. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've been, I've been and, and like I said before with 23, you know, Good is a song that definitely resonates really deeply with me. And so... Um, I felt like I was able to write something that was true to how I felt as opposed to sort of like, you know, taking a little snippet of my life and going, how can I make this feel like this in a song? That was like, there's too much to put. You know what I mean? That was too right. much information. So so why is it a risk to be so personal? Um, because I think it takes, if you're not careful, some, it's like, I, I, I don't know that I know this for sure. My suspicions are... With songs that are too intertwined into my life, you start to lose people on the quick turns. You start to lose people in the stuff that's too personal. Because it's mm. like, well, I was with you up until am I glad that, I, that I'm married, but you said kid and I don't have a kid. Or I was with you until the kid and mm. glad we're married, but then in the bridge where you said you moved to Michigan, mm-hmm. I'm way out. And so I you have it. to really... You know, and I mean, guys, you know, built their careers on things that I mean. Paul Simon, his half of his songs are so specific, right? right. But something about the sentimentality or the overall feeling—you still listen to "Dimes on the Soles of Her Shoes" and go, "Yeah." But it's not like I know what that's like, or you know, or if I know what, you know, "Homeless, Homeless," you know, like these songs that he wrote that you go, "Yeah." But 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 you know, sentiment. Can get communicated either way, but I think I'm. I always tend to be over careful on lyrically getting too specific because I just mm. don't. I really don't want to cut people off from being able to participate in that song. You know, I I I was really into Little Civil War. I guess because I think relationships are so tough. If not, yeah. If not real work, you know. Yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, what I love about the song, I guess, is that you you Lenny Kravitz, right? You let love rule. Yeah, well, I, I've I've always you know I'm such a huge Bonnie Raitt fan, and that those couple of uh, duets she has with Delbert McClinton, you know, are some of like my favorite songs of all time. And I've never done a duet on a record uh, that was I have on the Christmas record, but I hadn't on any of my main records. And Lucy Silvis, who's who does a duet with me, uh, we were writing that song with my friend who encouraged me about finishing good, a guy named Jeremy Spillman, and we were about halfway through this other idea, and I was uh, writing that same melody and and the title and i was like guys i think we could write this for me if y'all wouldn't mind and they both were like yes 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 so we did a couple tweaks and it was i mean we ended up finishing it so quickly because i think we all knew where it wanted to go lucy was in the room and was singing the lines and i was like you have to do this duet with me so it was all in the room already like it was all floating around in there and so we were just able to grab it and nail it to the wall and sort of look at it and go gosh this is 
this is so much fun. And she's such an amazing artist and singer that I was just... Like, you know, when you're able to write the song and it's already there, like you're running the song down and goose bumping and you're, everybody in the room's like jumping up and down, you know, you've already won. You know, you're like, mm-hmm. we've done the best we can. From now, we'll just hope it, con- you know, it connects with uh, everybody else. And that day was exactly like that, you know. I just thought it was a really, the, lyrically, I thought the, the great line for me was, in the, in the chorus, was, there ain't nobody else I, I want to fight with more. Oh, yeah, for sure. I thought that was great. And I just wondered how, how uh, I mean, being a married guy and you being a married guy, those are things that, <laughs> it's great to write down in a song, but I think when I'm in the middle of that little bitty war, I go, uh, why is no, this happening yeah. and why can I not make you believe everything I am saying? Oh, yes, you know? yes, yes. Well, it's like I heard Tom Nelson, this guy, say in this marriage series he, he did. I heard this when I was in college, actually. But he said, uh, you know, when you choose to love someone and be in relationship with them, dating and marriage, but especially marriage, you're taking a gun, loading the gun, <laughs> putting the gun up to your own forehead, and putting their finger on the trigger. <laughs> and I was like, you know, that is the most apropos thing I can think of. Because you're just trusting they don't pull that trigger. That's it. Because they have all the power to do it, you know. Right on. That is too. That is too right on. Uh, hey, the song after that, I, I guess maybe is perfect for after that song, right? Something more. Yeah. Well, you know, the the the, the, the funny part about that is it's actually about our son. Oh, really? It's sort of my little twisted, tricky way of trying not to say that too clearly. Again, in the lyrics, something that people. Uh, no, I get it. But, I get it. Being a dad, I get it. Yeah, and so. That was kind of, uh, which is why it sort of feels like it did. I was like, man, you know, I want it to feel as juvenile as I feel like the lyric is about, you know. Right. But it was fun. I've never done anything like that. And I was like, man, this could be that song that everybody's like, what in the heck is going on? But thankfully, I love it. I love it, love it. And thankfully, it's one of the more downloaded songs on the record. So I've been really encouraged by that. Let's go on to something much more important. And that is the song, Can't She Try? Uh, because I... I guess as I've had conversations with friends uh, in my life, it's like so many people are teetering on the edge if we're all not teetering on the edge at times. Yeah, I was going to say. And, uh, but this is, this is for a friend maybe who was struggling and, and searching for hope at the same time. Yeah, you know, it's, 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 um, I'm getting to that age, and I don't know if you and your wife went through this too, where a lot of your friends, like in your 30s, where we are, my wife and I, where you start to see a lot of your friends start, you know, coming into the season of life where like, okay, like I'm still single and I'm not 20 anymore. And you know, this is scary. It's no longer sort of like, Oh, somebody's out there, you know? Um, and I think they, they still think that Lord knows, but it's just a little more harrowing. You're a little more like, okay, this is a little different. And I'm a little more nervous about this than I was 10 years ago, five years ago. And you know, I think it's just tough, especially with our girlfriends. You know, we have Annie has a lot of really good friends that are single, um, and it, I just hate yeah, I hate watching them struggle because it's such a different plight. You know, for a guy, you you decide if you want to take a girl out, you call, you take her out, and then you kind of like, unless she tells you like, I did not have a good time, please don't call me again. You have the decision to call right. her back or not. Right. At least in our in the world we live in in Nashville, it's not as you know progressive. I guess it's. I'll leave that word as some other cities are. But, you know, here in the Bible Belt and the Southern world, that's still kind of how it rolls. You know, guys are still, girls aren't really asking guys out. 
so for me, I, 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 it, it just really affected me, and it still does seeing these girls struggle through this. And so that song is just kind of like a sort of like a a, a prayer, I guess, in some ways, because wow. it's just sort of like you know, I feel like I'm I'm sort of directing that to the heavens, you know. Yeah, I, I know that we've had friends who've said it's like you know all the good ones are already taken, mm-hmm. and <laughs> and a part of me inside is thinking. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, and the other part of me is like, oh no, you know, again, keep you got yeah. if you can't quit looking now, even though you're yeah, 33 or 37 sure. or whatever, you know. But right, and especially for women, I mean, when there's a clock ticking mm-hmm. and stuff, you just sort of go like, wow. But you don't want to settle either, right? So you're right. Who knows? I, you that's know. it. That's yeah. And I think I think that's that again. That's some of what the song is about. It's just feeling like you know she could. She could deal with what it means if it's not it. I just love to feel like, you know, they're out there with the ability to to even participate. You know, and and the real question is is why does your wife have so many single girlfriends? Amen. You know, we funny we ask the same question. <laughs> Where are all of the men in Nashville to swoop in and get these amazing girls? Because <laughs> there are copious amounts of them. <laughs> You'll have a. You'll have a convent there someday in your attic of your house, and gosh, uh, there'll be all these older older women la- living there. Well, they're still friends. I can't let I can't make them move out. Oh, I know. It'd be amazing in some ways, and <laughs> and, an, and an estrogen nightmare right. in others. <laughs> Which should be the the name of like an all girl band. Yes, it's better than Pussy Riot. Oh my gosh, how do <laughs> they keep a... getting arrested? Like I'm I like, what know. are you girls doing? I don't know. I mean, I saw again today where they got arrested at the Olympics. I'm like, look, ladies, if you've already been arrested and detained in Russia, shouldn't you leave? But instead they go to the place where the most attention is in Russia. I was like, I don't understand these things. Here's, here's what I actually think it is. I mean, this is how ridiculous I am. I think there's a manager saying, you got to do this. You have to do this because if you don't, you won't get any publicity and you won't be able to Gosh, sell tickets. I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, and then they'll end up in New York and they'll get off the plane like the Beatles and there'll be, you know... 5,000 people waiting for him to get off the plane and they'll end up on Jimmy Fallon's new Tonight Show and oh my voila, gosh. there and there will be a book and all this kind of stuff and 50 years from Oh, now. there's going to be books. <laughs> There'll be books and accompanying CDs, without a doubt. <laughs> First, there'll be a bad documentary and then a real documentary and then the truth comes out from the lead singer. Oh, that's oh yeah. And I guess I want to ask you about Hotel Keys. Um, I think life is such a journey and when I hear a song that that takes that on, that subject on, mm-hmm. I go, yeah, yeah. So, Well, you know, th- th- my favorite story about any song is that song. I, I wrote with um, one of my favorite country artists, a guy named David Nail, one of the best singers in Nashville. And um, we are fans of each other's music and got to meet a few years ago, and he's been a buddy. And so we got together to write, gosh, man, it's been like three and a half years now ago. And um, we sat down, and he said, man, I've got this title, and it's called Hotel Keys. And I was like, I, I don't know what that is, but I already love it. <laughs> and he, he was like, here's the idea. You know, this is kind of all I have, so let's just see if we can get anything from this. He said, you know, and it was some version of what we landed on. You know, I, I remember when everything was more than just a pocket of hotel keys. And it's like, those are the co-writes you live for because it's all there. You just got to, like, again, it's just grabbing it. It's just like, you know, finding where it is in the room. And... And we got all the way through to the bridge, and then we both had to go. And then I ended up, he, he, he texted me later and said, Hey, man, would you just write a bridge and send it to me? I want to demo this song. I'm not around to, to help write it. So do you mind? And I was like, Of course. So 
And that's what's so funny about it is is I love this about music, and it's why I love telling the story so much. Is and when I wrote that with David, we were taking a lot of his experiences and putting them to music because at the time, three or four years ago, I didn't feel like that. I was I was in a different place with with that. And my wife, as we were picking songs for this record, uh, he demoed it about a year ago, and we play it all the time because he, he he did a great job with it, and his voice sounds amazing. And she said, "You should really think about recording the song." And I listened to it again for the first time, kind of, you know, I, I was like, okay, what would this sound like me singing it? And I got so emotional because I was like, this is how I have, I've struggled with this feeling recently. I mean, this is kind of the last couple of years of how I've felt, but at the time I didn't. And now, I mean, I know exactly what that feels mm. like. And that's not to say I think it's the truth, but but it's definitely a, a feeling I have really combated you know, I, I've really struggled with this feeling like, gosh, you know, it'd be amazing to feel like there was all this stuff that I could show for the time I put into this. And there is. And I'm and I'm so grateful. And that's why I almost didn't record the song. Because mm. I was like, man, I don't want fans to feel like Dave thinks this whole thing sucked, you know, because I don't. I love it. But but it's a struggle. I mean, it's no joke. Doing this is, is, is not always easy lifting. And I think that's important. And I've just really, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day about this. I, I, I really hope that honesty wins. And it may not win immediately, but mm. I think as an artist who has people that listen to music and have perceptions about you and the music, I just, I hope that being honest, that's why I love doing these podcasts. That's why I love doing the podcast we last time is I just feel like as I'm getting older, I'm like, you know, it's it's valuable to be honest. It's it's mm-hmm. I think there's power in me being able to say things that I'm like, God, I hope people don't misconstrue that because I've just seen it come back not come back void I've seen I've seen people really say man it was really cool to hear you talk about how hard this is or how much this is frustrating or as opposed to me being like man this is the best I never have fun I mean I never whoops there's my 40 and slip I always have fun you know like so for me I, I just felt like man this can be a bit of a risk to put this on the record but you know it's how I feel and I think it's a valuable it's a valuable thing. I think if nothing else, if we're just if we're like at the macro level of looking at song, I think everybody can relate to like, man, it's good to know that you that things can be rewarding and it's yeah. frustrating when when you struggle with feeling like they aren't, you know. Yeah, well we can follow our I think, follow our inner soul of what we're supposed to do in this life. And there are times when you go I I thought this would should be more. Or Yeah. Or I'm just tired of it. And it could yeah. be only, it could be, I mean, the fleeting feeling could last for five minutes or five weeks or, or hopefully not more than that. But, you know, sometimes you just have to go, well, maybe it's time for a change. Yeah. <laughs> and you start wanting to just write and produce for a living instead yeah. of, you know, rolling around the country and missing family and all that kind of stuff. Because that's, that's where I would be in your shoes because mm-hmm. I don't want to be away from home as much as at least you have been. I don't know where you're going in the next mm-hmm. few years, but... Uh, well, that's you know that that is the, that is the question that is the question with me and a a large amount of my friends that do this. Yeah. Uh, that that's the season that we are all in, which is, you know, and I said this. I did a podcast a couple of weeks ago, and I was telling uh, Blake, the guy did it with me. Then I was like, you know, that that's that's the thing I'm trying to figure out is how do I my first priority is to my family, so that has to be going well, and and. From there, how, how do I do this? I mean, it's it can't look like it did. I, I really want my, my the people that listen to my music and support what I do to continue listening. So how do I right. make sure that they're getting enough of what I do to feel excited and, and 
invigorated enough to do it. But, you know, I don't want to come home and, you know, my son go, God, who is that guy? He looks like a cool guy, but I don't know who this guy is. You know, like, that's like such a deep fear of mine. So, you know, now it's just trying to be responsible to both of those things. You know, how do you how do you be a dad? How do you be a husband? How do you be a friend, brother? You know, all those things. And how do you do this for a living where you aren't, you know, gone all the time? So well, I don't know how you do it. And I say this uh, thinking of Drew Holcomb, which I'm assuming is a pal of yours because he's pals mm-hmm. with Ben Rector too, right? Mm-hmm. And honestly, I, I loved my conversation with him. I thought it was so I just thought it was great. I, I love talking with him. I love talking with you. But I don't know how you deal with people like me coming into your life for an hour or a four-hour round of golf and then never to be heard from again until you're back in their town. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't because you guys are friendly guys, mm-hmm. you know, but there's got to be some sort of something that works up inside of you that goes, I, I I don't know. It's something that works up that's a protective unit that says, I can't love everybody, mm-hmm. or I at least can't take the time to invest uh, having a relationship with everybody that I meet along the way, even though, here's Mr. Ego, Frank's a cool guy. Mm-hmm. You know, even though somebody in Chicago is a cool guy. Well, you everybody know, I, in Milwaukee is some of this. So I don't know how you I do it. I think that's a so. great, I think that's a great point. I think a few things. Number one, I think it's about being where you are in that moment. So being being as authentic as you can be in in these moments. So as we're doing this, that I'm fully present with you and giving you yep. the the honesty that you deserve, you know, um, yep. and that people listening deserve. Uh, I also think one of the fascinating things about doing this for a living is it's like you know you know how carousels work when you get on those things in the playground as a kid, and if you whip around that thing about twenty times and pull a kid off, you sit them down and their eyes still move, you know, yep. their eyes are still twitching yep. and going side to side super fast, and after about you know, 10 seconds, you see it sort of stop and they can focus on you. The road is like the carousel because it's like mm. you just get so used to moving at such a clip that you can kind of maintain it because you just know what it takes to survive out there. So conversations are all that short. You know, you you, you aren't really sitting down investing in any moment or, or time other than what you can give it at the moment because you're going to be gone. And so you just kind of live that way. And the transition back home is so hard because you're not doing that anymore. My wife isn't going, man, it was really good to see you. Can, let's talk about this. I have a couple questions. All right, I'm going to bed. It's, hey, sit down and tell me how your day was. And you can't go, right. man, it was great. I love playing here. She's like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like you have to invest. It. So, so, so it's too, you kind of live life at these different speeds. And so... You know, yeah. that's why when Bono, I love this when I read You Two at the End of the World by Bill Flanagan, you know, that, that his wife would make him stay in that hotel for a week when he gets home from tour just to be like, okay, here's your entry, point of entry. Sleep, get rested, because when you come home, you're dad. You're doing carpools. You are helping right. me balance right. or check. But, well, you know, like you're, you're you're cleaning vomit up the fl- off the floor. You're not like, right. you know, right. so... I think you just you 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 have to live in these seasons of different speeds and know how to do that well, which is pretty much close to impossible, you know. Yeah, I just wonder if if I guess you have to believe in what you're doing, no matter what it is. Yeah, right? that's no well said. If you're a traveling salesperson, you just have to believe in it that it it's worth that quote unquote investment of your own self to be able to 
<laughs> to juggle on the carousel and then get off the carousel and keep the juggle going and then stop juggling and pay attention to the people who are need to be paid attention to. Well, right? you know, and, and that's a that's a great that's a valid point. And I think too, there's you know, and I don't mean to demean you know, being on stage and playing is sure. like it's the best. I mean, when when you're playing a song that you've written and you're singing it and you see people in the crowd like either snuggle up to each other or mouth along with you or close their eyes or rock out or dance. I mean, that's like, to me, one of the, it's like the height of, of, of living. It's like as a human to be able to evoke that kind of a response in other humans is the, is like the pinnacle of existence. You know, you're like, I can make someone else feel like I feel in this awesome way. And that's incredible. So, so I don't mean to mean that, but it's, but, but I think it's true. It's, it's what does the other, you know, it's, it's like somebody told me one time, they're like, when you're paying me to tour, you're not paying me for the two hours on stage. You're paying me for the 22 off of it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's what we're doing. You know, mm-hmm. like I, yeah, the, 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 the fun part isn't the hard part. You know, the fun part right. is what you're like, that's, that's why we do it. Right. Um, it's the rest of it that you have to manage. Yeah. Hey, I've just got one more question. And that is when I, when I read through your blogs, most of the time, I want to say you use when referring to yourself, you use a small I instead of a capital I. That's a decision, I'm assuming. Yeah, boy, you are perceptive, Frank. Well, you know, you I, I know skills. my alphabet. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I've I've always been like, I have to be really careful about uh, how I perceive myself. I hear you. you know, that's hear you. that's why I'm 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 always really careful and. Interviews, especially things like this that live eternally on the on the worldwide internet, <laughs> because I just don't. I I, I want to be really careful because I'm a very opinionated and passionate dude, and so I have to be really careful that what I say are things that I really feel, and aren't something I'm I'm frustrated by at the time. Right. Um, and that doesn't speak to the little eye as much as I just. I think what it does speak to is I do have to take myself with a grain of salt, mm. and I have to be. You know, so I think the little I in some, you know, whatever way it would be is kind of a, I just, it's like good, it's good for me to do and it's good for me to see because it's like, I have to be, to have to take myself, you know, uh, right. uh, non-capitalized, yeah, <laughs> you know. Right, right, right. No, I've definitely, I've noticed throughout the stuff that I've put on, on the listenin.org website Sometimes I have a capital F for Frank, and sometimes I have a small F, and I go, eh, maybe that's just the way I was feeling the other day. But I always, I always thought I should do a small F, and then you start hearing somebody talk. Well, if you really feel positive about yourself and you're on the same level as Dave, then shouldn't you be capitalized too? And then I start going through this blah 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 yak yak yak, and I go, so I happen to notice it with you, right? So yeah, <laughs> I didn't mean to didn't mean to bang your balls about it too much, other than just sort of the thought, because obviously no, no, that's good. You know, no, it's a great question because we all have those little things that I in my head are are just sort sort of little bitty identifiers of who we are and what we think of ourselves and how we want to be perceived too, because I don't want to perceive, be perceived that I have a huge ego, but I probably have a pretty big ego. Mm. I mean, I think yeah. I've got questions to ask you that are more important than other people's questions for you. Oh, right? for sure. You for know, sure. so that kind of stuff. So anyway, but I love talking to you. But Go you ahead. know what? I, I, I will say, I, I think, I think the great, I think the great thing, um, I think the great thing about that though is, I think any time that we are that we are cognizant of ourselves in healthy ways, it's it's such a sign of of health in in ways other than how great am I or how terrible am I, but just like what am I? Am I sure that I'm communicating these ideas clearly that people are going to 
as best they can get the right impression of of uh, how I feel. And it's a it's a funny season of life for me as an artist because I feel like having done this ten to twelve years, I have I don't I don't want to be I don't want to be too bold. It's not that I have the right to say things, but I think my fans have the right to hear me be yeah. honest. That's a better way to say it. Yeah. And and I think I would be disappointed if if I was listening to an interview with somebody like Harry Connick or somebody that I really love who's who's been doing it for a lot longer than I have, and them go, what's it like being however old you are and doing music now? And he'd be like, it's the right. best. I mean, literally, I, every time I get down at the piano, sit down and upright, it's it's amazing song. But I'm going to be like, I don't know if that's authentic. As opposed to him going, you know, man, the more you write, the harder it gets. And I'm, the road is like this now. And man, my friends are like this. And my marriage has been really interesting because like, I have to go back out and play now, whatever. Like all of a sudden I'm like, man, this is engaging because I struggle with things and he struggles with things that make us human. That's where we relate. And so for me, I've just had to, it's not, I'm not really good at do, not that I'm not going to be an honest, but I think in forums like this where I'm like, man, mm-hmm. I just don't, I really don't want to be misconstrued. I don't want it to be something that it, people go, man, does he not appreciate what he does or is he not? But the truth is, I mean, honestly, where I am is I am, you know, in my mid thirties trying to figure out how to still be an artist and still sell records. And that's really hard today. And it's hard for everything, everybody. And that's, what's oddly encouraging, but it's still like, and I mean, it wraps, it's sort of, it's our cyclical conversation going back yeah. to where we started. It's that thing on Twitter where you, where it's encouraging for me to see that people go, wow, you don't get paid as much in the ways that I'm listening to Dave's music and maybe I need to buy the record or whatever. And that's for everybody to figure out on themselves. But you know, that is where I am. And so for me to get on here and not be authentic to that, it just doesn't feel right, and so I think you know it's it's a it's a weird struggle to have to sort of traverse in the season I'm in because I wouldn't have said that stuff ten years well, ago. I, I just think know. transparency, i.e., honesty, is is what resonates with people, and whether it is making point zero 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 one nine cents per song or getting a seven thousand dollar check for the song being played mm-hmm. once, right? I mean, and and put it in context. I got that for two months worth of not getting any other money or whatever, right? Right, right. And right. it's those sort of things that I, because I still think people, including me, sometimes go, "You're freaking rock star, man! Mm-hmm. You, you, you got a house and you got a mortgage and you got a wife and kids and you get to go home and then you get to go on the road and be a rock star and then you get to go back and then you, you know what I mean? I mean, it's just that it's just so easy to think that because I don't care even my neighbors who work in on the factory line, right? I think their life is better than mine. Yeah. <laughs> you oh, know? Yeah. And so there's that sort of thing. And it's when, you know, when you have some sort of spotlight on you when you're working, like on stage, you go, well, obviously that person has it all together because, wow, you wrote the song good. You wrote mm-hmm. something more. You know, I mean, you got it together as a husband and a dad. Mm-hmm. Instead, you're. You're a guy. You've got problems. You're struggling trying to figure out how to make it through the next yeah. 10 years, if not 10 weeks, right? So, I don't know, dude. I just love talking to you, and I, I appreciate the, the work you put into your work. Yeah. Well, thank you and, for caring. All this stuff, so. Not too negative, Nelly, I don't think. Though maybe I led the conversation there. doesn't mean Dave nor I don't live on the positive side of life's ledger. Not at all. I think the reason we connect so well is our collective passion for more in this life. Hey, and uh, one more thing. Thanks for listening in. Thank you, thank you, thank you for reals. I know you're searching. Don't, don't stop. Don't, don't stop.
keep on scouring lyrics and songs and movies and books and anywhere, anywhere you can find inspiration. Because, and I know I'm still wrestling with this, you are worthy of love and a great life. Give and get. Listen in and share the goodness. I sign off sincerely, comma, Frank Jenks. Questioner, interviewer, searcher, hoper. Hoper.